Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year. You can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Another great week of games coming up. But you know, I'm more interested in some of these more long term profits. Like, is Trevor Lawrence still going to be the number one pick? You know, Justin Fields having a great season. Could he overtake him? I still bet Trevor, but some of these odds are looking pretty good for some of the other guys just to put some extra money down. It's not just that. From game spreads and totals to player, team, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Believe in Northwestern Football Podcast, a podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. You believe? I'm Peter Warren. I'm joined once again by my co-host, former All-Big Ten receiver Jeremy Ebert. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Good, Pete. Man, we're back. It's it's always good to go uh, 1-0 in the week, man. So um, I feel just like you, man. We, we're pretty excited about... Uh, about the W we, we just got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big victory against Iowa, you know, at Kinnick, coming back from 17-point deficit in the first quarter where Northwestern just looked flat, looked just not like they were ready to play. And they pretty much put on an outstanding three-quarter performance that was it's reminiscent of what happened against Maryland and pulled out pull a great victory. You know, Jeremy, what are your, you know, initial takeaways from watching, a, a, you know, one of the better comebacks in North in Northwestern's time with Pat, Pat Fitzgerald as coach. Yeah, I think like we spoke about earlier, man, just just the composure of the team, like sticking together and fighting it out. They didn't give up. They kept fighting. Um, it was just it, – it, it's great to see, man. It, it just shows the the culture that that team has right now and, and then just the poise and, and being consistent and sticking with the game plan and, and fighting for that win, man. They uh, They definitely earned it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about earning it. There's no doubt that if you're Northwestern and you look at you know how you played in the first quarter and you look at how you played after, you you deserve that victory. And I think Iowa fans and Iowa players can admit it. They didn't. They they won the first quarter and then they pretty, in my mind, thoroughly lost the next three quarters. You know, Northwestern's offense really took over in the second, continued in the third, and then in the fourth and even you know the end of the third quarter there. The Northwestern defense really took over and really shut down an Iowa, an Iowa offense that, you know, wasn't exactly great to start the game. You know, two turnovers really gave them excellent field position for the, for their two touchdowns in the game. 
But I mean, Northwestern's defense, when when push came to shove, they pushed and they shoved Iowa over. Absolutely. I I mean, our defense, like like you said, I mean, having those two turnovers, giving them those e- easy points to start the game, definitely did not help. It put our defense in kind of a hole. Um, but they they fought the whole game and they they played outstanding. I mean, three interceptions again, like creating turnovers. I think we talked about it, you know, preseason of our defense can create those turnovers. They were stout all last year, but getting those turnovers this year has been key for us, and it's been a huge momentum swing for our team. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, hats off to our defense. They, they played lights out. Um, I mean, I, I'm just – I was so – I was just super impressed with, with our young guys on defense and how much they've stepped up and, and played this year. It's, it's been great to watch, man. Mm-hmm. No, it's impressive to see guys on both sides of the ball stepping up, too. I mean, Brandon Joseph, I think, is the big example so far. You know, week one, he needs a team in tackles. Week two, two interceptions, including one that set up the game-winning touchdown run by Jesse Brown in the third quarter. I mean, and also, you know, we talked about this preseason, not so much last week, but Peter Skronsky on the offensive line has looked really, really solid. I know pro football focus has given him some really high grades as well at, at the left tackle position. But, I mean, he's really settled and smoothly done his done his job on that line that, you know, came in questions or was experienced. But, I mean, he's he's very sure on the, on that side, on that on that side. Oh, he came in as advertised. And, you know, that was our – I mean, that was my – personally, that was my worry on offensive line, like coming from high school to starting the big tenant left tackle. Like, he's he is as advertised, man, and he has stepped up in, in a big way. Um you know, you can't you can't really ask for more as, as a you know as a true freshman stepping in there at left tackle and playing the way he has. Um, you know, he, he's protected. I th- I think you know Peyton. You know, he had his struggles early on with that interception, but he stepped up and made some big throws when he needed to. And um, you know, you gotta give the hats off to the offensive line um, for protecting them the way they did. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, as you're watching the start of the game, you know, what did you see from Northwestern? Was it was it just the turnovers? Like what in that first quarter that just sort of gave you maybe an, an eerie or a, or a foreboding feeling about what could potentially have been the rest of the game? Yeah, I mean we didn't we didn't play like we did versus Maryland. That's for sure. We came out like you said flat. Turnovers obviously didn't help. That's not our football. It's, I mean Fitz will preach that day in and day out. You know we got to win the turnover battle. Um, so tur- turnovers hurt. I just did. You know I just didn't think Peyton looked comfortable in the first quarter. I think as the game went on, he kind of stepped up. He took some hits, that's for sure, but he made some some key first down runs with his legs, and I think that's what kind of got our offense rolling. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point there. You know, looking at at Payne Ramsey, you know, Fitz really emphasized after the game how much the wind played a factor. I mean, it played a factor on you know the first turnover where Kyrick just couldn't get a couldn't get a good read on, on the punt because it just swiveled across in the air. But the reason why they ran the ball so much was because of that wind and, you know, they didn't want to have many deep throws. And even on, surprisingly, even, you know, Petrus threw the ball 50 times on for Iowa. He didn't really have many, you know, long shots, deep balls. So it's interesting, you know, see it about that. And it looked like Peyton, you know, with that game plan in mind and then, you know, a couple of runs not going his way, it looked like, you know, he did take some time to get into the game, whereas week one versus Maryland, it was a lot quicker. He sort of in the flow from the start. But I think it was, you know, as I sort of mentioned, that second quarter hit and they started really, you know, getting a, a few first downs. And it's sort of like, you know, you get the wheel turning and suddenly everything just keeps working. And I felt like that's what happened, you know, once the second quarter hit, once they sort of were settled in. 
They had the wind going in their direction, and they just felt more confident, you know, with the football in their hands. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and I think they continued that going into the second half. They just – they stuck to their game plan. They played how they play football, man. They, they fed Isaiah Bowers, uh, Bowser like we – you know, we said he, that he was going to be the workhorse, man. He's continued to, to carry that load, 25 carries, 85 yards. You know, he he's going to get the ball a lot. And, you know, with our, the way our offensive line's playing and the way we're running the ball, man, you, you got to keep feeding that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's been – especially, you know, I feel like last season, just because of how everything happened, his injury and his absence sort of got minimized just because – the passing attack was just so bad. It was sort of, and you had a couple of big performances from Evan Hull and Drake Anderson that sort of made you forget how much of a, of just a powerful force Isaiah Bowser can, can be in a backfield. No, absolutely, man. He's a big guy and he brings, he brings it too, man. I, I love watching him run. He's a physical runner. He's violent. He finishes the runs. That's, that's, that's what you want in the big 10 running back, man. You want a guy that's going to finish the runs and deliver the blow. And he, and he does that, man. He, and then, just having that that mix up, I, I mean, Drake didn't have the greatest game. He had he had a great catch though, but just that change of pace back that we have now with everybody, it, it's it's we got weapons, and we said that like you know before the season, like we have all the weapons we need, and and I I just love watching how uh, Sarkeesian is, is is using them, you know, um, he's mixing it up, spreading the ball out. You know, we had some, you know, Riley's was down with an injury, but guys stepped up, McGowan stepped up. Bowman stepped up like we had some guys step up and it was um it was it's fun to watch man our offense is fun to watch when they're when they got their rhythm going like they like they started in the second quarter mm-hmm. no you are definitely right it's these first two games even though you know against Iowa on Saturday was you know much ground and pound slower you know wind really playing a factor it was still fun to watch and I think what sort of helps with that is, you, as you mentioned, sort of the quick pace, sort of, and just getting a lot of different guys involved. You mentioned the running attack. One guy who we didn't really talk much about last week or, or in the preseason much was Jesse Brown, you know, the new number one, you know, Mr. Wildcat for this season. And he, he had a great game, you know, limited carries, I think, you know, under 10. But when he came in, he got the yards he needed, picked up the first downs, picked up two touchdowns. You know, he's a perfect example, especially, you know, wearing that number one in a season of a guy stepping up, knowing his role, and executing to a T that you didn't see really guys do last year. No, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Guys were not stepping up and and filling that role last year, and this year they are. And and that's how it's supposed to be. And, I mean, hats off to the coaching staff for getting these guys ready for the season because they came ready to play, man. Um, You know, it's just – because Isaiah's gonna, he's gonna need some breaks, man. You, you're gonna feed the ball to him 25 times a game, 25 times a, a game. Like having another back like Jesse to step up, get 10 carries, 20, 21 yards, and two touchdowns. You know that that's awesome for filling that role for Isaiah. So I think uh, you know Jesse played a big, big role Saturday, and you know I feel like that role is just gonna continue to grow as the season goes on, and you know the wear and tear of the season, you know, takes its toll on our backs. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, you know, I feel like that's a that's a misleading 21 yards, you know, just off the top of my head. Both his touchdown runs were for a yard, so it's not right. like you, you can't get any more there. And you're, you're running him a lot in third and ones, third and twos, you know, short yardage plays where you're not, you know, trying to hit the outside and get five or six. You're trying to, you know, right. get over the line and, and keep chugging and keep moving. And that's really, you know, just speaking on that, 
that's what's been so impressive to me. That you know, it's not just the offense has been fun, but they are they are fun while also being able to to just you know do a couple of three three you know three yards in a cloud of dust type of situations where you're just getting what you need and then still moving and grinding because you know in a situation like like last year sort of how the offense was Saturday would not have been would not have been a fun game to watch at all offensively it probably would have been extremely predictable or wouldn't just you know a lot of inside runs a lot of read option stuff it just wouldn't wouldn't have worked but Saturdays it was fun and I think it was just because they have these mixed up ways where they can just get the ball in different hands a lot of jet sweeps outside runs and it's just it's just working so far and it's fun to watch yeah, the the way he he integrates his motions and bunch formations to get guys moving in different directions, the it 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 is it's fun. You know, it, it may be a simple it might may look like a simple dive, but the way he he's motioning guys and getting guys on the move, it, it's really allowing to open up these bigger holes. And um, yeah, it's it, like you said, man, it, it's just it's different. You know, I mean, maybe we're just not used to it. and We think it's fun to watch, but it's it's totally different than Northwestern offenses of the past. So. I'm enjoying it. It's working. The guys have definitely bought in. And um, they, like you said, they're converting those third downs when they need to and, and moving the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you could elaborate a little more there about sort of how, in your mind, the you know pre-snap motion, because in my mind, there has been a lot of that, you know, whether it's John Rain or RCB or Kyrick, just getting guys moving, how that can open up situations for an offense. Well, yeah, they, they, they have to honor it because, I mean, like – Kyrick, he scored on that on that motion sweep, you know. So they're giving him the ball. It's not like it's it's just a dummy there. So they have to honor that because the guys that are getting the ball have the speed to get the corner. So by doing that, you're basically pulling out a linebacker that would fill a gap and opening up one, you know, for our running backs when when you know the motion goes. So I think it's it's just a it's a great use of of our talent and um, you know being able to spread the ball out to more guys in different ways. So I mean. It's it's definitely working right now, and I, I I plan on seeing a lot more of it as the season goes on. Yeah, I definitely hope so. I just think I don't know jet sweeps and all that. I just find that to be so much fun to watch, and it's such an interesting sort of way to you know, like you said, keep defenses honest and and, and keep you know keep plays moving. Well, if you yeah. think about like seasons past, like our way of getting the corner was like basically the speed option. You know, like that's that was kind of like. All we did, if we did a jet sweep, it was like once in a blue moon. So like now it's it's we have different ways of getting the edge and different ways of getting guys the ball and different ways of of getting our playmakers the ball. And I think it's just it's an easy, simple way of doing it that's super effective. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So we talked about the defense a little bit earlier, like the circle back here. We talked about Brandon Joseph. We talked about them really stepping up. What do you see from the defense? Anything in particular that you were really impressed with? this weekend i thought our three linebackers played unbelievable you know bergen fisher and gallagher just they dominated up front um they kept everything in front of them made big tackles thought they had a lot of pressures on the quarterback you know bergen was blitzing a few times um yeah i i thought they those three played unbelievable um the secondary behind them have they were just as stout as they were against maryland and um as a whole, they just they played as a team. They played fast, man. I think it's um, they're they are, if not, they are one of the best defenses in the Big Ten for sure. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I definitely think after these performances, it'd be tough to you know say they're not. You can sort of look at 
you know, well, they just gave up 20 points to a potentially, you know, weak Iowa team. Um, I mean, those two touchdowns, one, one, their, one of Iowa's possessions started at the seven at Northwestern seven. Another one started inside Northwestern territory. I mean, if you're going to give, you know, teams, I don't know, an average field position at the, at, North, at the opponents, 25, 30, yeah, they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. But when you give a Northwest, this Northwestern defense, in my mind, you know, the whole field, they haven't given up a touchdown all year. They have held, you know, offenses not just to field goals, but not even crossing midfield. And I think right. that's going to be so crucial going forward is that it's not just that this Northwestern defense is holding opposing offenses to, you know, field goals and to, you know, maybe a lot, you know, you know, fourth down conversion. They miss, you know, at, at the 40. They're not even crossing half field most of the time against this team. No. And, and you know, they, they keep them under 100 yards rushing. You know, I mean, they're just – they're stout up front, and, you know, they're, they're forcing people to – try to make plays in the air. And right now we're just, we are creating interceptions left and right. And it, it's something we really haven't seen in the past. And for us to get another three interceptions this week, it, it just kind of shows the skill of our secondary and, and what we're capable of doing. But by stopping the run, that basically opens up, you know, they're going to have to throw and, you know, Iowa threw it 50 times, which is very unlike Iowa and especially the conditions that we, you know, you're talking about with the wind. And, um, you know, it kind of just shows like, what our defense can do in creating turnovers this year has been huge for us. So yeah, hats off to our defense, man. They're they're playing lights out. Mm-hmm. I know, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but how surprising was it to just watch this Iowa team throw the ball fifty times, especially with a guy like Spencer Petrus, a young quarterback, you know, redshirt sophomore, but a second career start, and he didn't he didn't look particularly impressive, like the type of guy you'd expect to be throwing fifty times a game. No, and that, that's the thing, going up seventeen nothing, like. You know, I thought it was going to be a ground and pound the rest of the game. That that's Iowa. They're known for their offensive line. They're big, you know, and running the ball like that. They're smash mouth football, and um, for them to throw the ball fifty times, um, it, it was surprising, especially with the struggles of the quarterback. Like you could see him struggle, not getting comfortable. And that's you know, hats off to our defense for for you know creating pressures and getting him uncomfortable. But I was expecting more of a ground and pound. I was super surprised with with how Iowa attacked the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, I mean, it's sort of in the moment you're not really thinking about it as, as much in, like, second quarter, but as time went on, you're sort of like, it's just sort of weird that they didn't have any confidence in, the, in that running attack, especially with how the, the secondary from Northwestern has been playing. And with the, the inexperience, you know, up front when you're starting, you know, you know, three seniors, yes, but, you know, guys who had very minimal starts coming into the year, and even on that D line, I guess you know they really did play well. I mean, Joe Spivak is you know quickly becoming one of the most fun players in the Big Ten, just with his personality and his personality's his, great. <laughs> yeah, his playmaking, you know, both as a as a fullback having fun and on the D line. But I mean, I just look at Iowa and, and they and they they obviously I think looking back they would say they made some mistakes on offense. I think it's also just Northwestern's defense didn't give them any chance to sort of play the way they wanted to. And they really forced Iowa into a lot of mistakes, especially late. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we put them in bad situations and, you know, they try to make plays and obviously with the weather and, you know, everything that happened, it, it gave us a great chance of, of grading those turnovers and we took advantage of it. You know, you, you got to give the hats off to our defense. We're actually making the play, you know, we put them in a bad situation and then, you know, we, they, we took it full advantage of it. And, you know, I think, um, I think we're gonna. I think Iowa. Honestly, if you look at our secondary, man, they're young. 
So yeah, it, may, it would make sense to attack them. You know, after one game versus, versus Maryland, an inexperienced quarterback, you know, where we made some plays, maybe they thought like, hey, you know, it is a young bunch of guys back there. We could exploit them. It, you know, it comes to show our, our guys stepped up and played in a big way. And you really got to take your hats off to to Brandon Joseph for, you know, stepping up and being a, being a freshman with two interceptions. And then J.R. Pace, I mean, I think I think just our young guys stepping up and playing the way they are, like we are a force to be reckoned with. And you got to take your hats off to those freshmen for coming ready to play, man. Definitely. And they're going to have to step up this weekend too against a Nebraska team that I know you agree with on this, is that a very interesting, interesting matchup for Northwestern. They come in off a, off a bye because of Wisconsin's uh, – COVID outbreak, they had to cancel the game. So, you know, they, they come in with a bye, first game of the year, had to play at, at Ohio State, did not go well, you know, as for most teams, it would not go well. You know, losing 52-17 wasn't an awful performance for them despite the score, but when you play Ohio State, it's tough to really get anything going. What do you right. think this Nebraska team is going gonna, is gonna to show up this weekend looking like? Well, yeah, that's the thing is we, we really don't know with Nebraska. I feel like we spoke about this earlier. You know, every year they're kind of hyped up, and then they kind of always underperform. So you really just don't know what team you're going to get. Um, they have the talent. They have the skill. Um, you know, Adrian Martinez is, is, is a great quarterback, a great athlete. He's going to make plays. Um, you know, they got Luke McCaffrey, who, who stepped up and made some big plays against Ohio State. So they have weapons everywhere. It's, it's more or less just – being able to put together a full game. I mean, I, I thought after the first drive at Ohio State, they go down, they score. You know, I'm like, all right, this might be a this might be a football game. But, you know, as many teams do, they can't really keep up with the pace and the skill level of Ohio State. So, you know, it kind of, it kind of you know, was all downhill from there. But it's it's going to be interesting to see. They've had another week to prepare um, for, for us. So they've had, they're going to have us dialed in to, you know, what we like to do and, and it should be a really big test for us. I mean, it's uh it's never easy and we've always played Nebraska tough. I mean, there's been some unbelievable games in the last, you know, five to six years where overtimes, Hail Marys, everything in between. So I, I expect a battle to the end, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely this game has quickly become in the, you know, less than ten years Nebraska's been in this conference. I'd arguably say, you know, a potential rivalry game going forward. Maybe even if you want to really, if you want to, you know, get Northwestern some more trophies, this could definitely be a trophy game going forward. You mentioned last year, um, you know, Nebraska wins at the buzzer with a game-winning kick. Year before, overtime, Drew Luckenbaugh, you know, writes his name to history books. Overtime the year before, you know, the I believe seven of the nine games since they joined the conference have been close. Like th- this game, for some reason no matter how either team is doing, is always, for the most part, close in a battle. You know, the classic Big Ten Big Ten football you expect. And it's just going to be interesting, you know, because I, uh, I think you're a little more bullish on this Nebraska team than I am. But I, I'm not, I can't write them off because they just always, for some reason, come to play against Northwestern. No, exactly. And, uh, you know, obviously, like, you know, last season, they, they definitely underperformed from what their preseason rankings were looking like. Um, you know, this season is, is kind of an unknown again for them. But, again, like, yeah, I, I, ex- I expect a big battle. I, I don't think this is going to be a rollover game by any means. Um, you know, they do have to come to, to Evanston and play. And, you know, Northwestern is not the easiest place to play. So, um, 
it, it's definitely going to be interesting. And if weather permits and all that jazz, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, what type of game it is, if it's going to be another ground and pound or, if, you know, it's going to have, you know, good enough weather where we could, you know, air it out. Uh, we'll see what type of game we're going to get on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the weather and I think it's, it's fascinating, you know, being here at Evanston, you know, first week of November, I, I, I'm pretty sure last time, this time last year, it was snowing, it was cold. You know, it was already, you know, it's still getting dark out earlier now because of daylight saving, but it's, you know, going to be 66 degrees on Saturday, you know, considering two weeks ago for Maryland, it was in the 40s, high 30s by the time, you know, the sunset and it was getting close to midnight. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a fairly warm game. Now, I don't know what the wind's going to look like, but it'll be fascinating to see how Northwestern looks compared to Maryland, where it's at night, it's cold, it's brisk, compared to, you know, mid-60s, sunny, middle of the day, and how it's going right. to usually perform. No, I, I mean, again, yeah, it, that's probably the nicest weather they've had in Evanston for a while. It's, again, we're, we're a few blocks from the from the lake, so you don't know how windy that it's going to get there and, you know, what's going to happen between now and Saturday. The weather is always a, a guessing game in the Chicagoland area, as you know. So, um, yeah, it, we'll see if it plays a factor. And, you know, honestly, by the, how we're running the ball and, you know, how, how creative we are with running the ball, honestly, I wouldn't mind if the weather sucked. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of that's we've kind of come from like a spread, air it out like you know a couple years ago to now we're we're like uh we're coming at you, man, and we got the backs to do it and the offensive line that's just proven, you know, two games in a row that you know we can move the ball running and it's awesome. You know, now looking sort of at talk about Northwestern's offense there, Nebraska coming in with two quarterbacks, Adrian Martinez, Luke McCaffrey. What do you expect to, to see from, from them on that side of the ball? Well, Adrian's, you know, he's the more experienced player. You know, he's, he's you know, a big guy, 6'2", 225. He's an athlete. You know, that was that was Frost's guy coming in. So I feel like, you know, he has the upper hand. He is technically the starting quarterback, but they do like to mix it up with McCaffrey, and he made some big plays against Ohio State. So don't I don't think they're going to shy away from going to him when they need to. You know, they use him a lot in the running game as well. Um, so, I mean, he I think he even had a catch for Ohio State. So, Luke's kind of like the all-around. He's going to be like – I would compare him to almost like a Kane Coulter, um, you know, for like like Northwestern, how we implemented him in the offense. I, I could see them using him in, in that manner. Um, but I think, you know, Adrian with his experience and, and everything like that, I think he's going to get the hand. But I, I could definitely see them using Luke in some interesting ways and – to give our defense some fits. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting because last year, you know, Adrian Martinez started, played well against against Northwestern before he ended up getting injured and had to leave the game, did not return. And at that time, Nebraska had uh, Noah Vidrol, who's now at, who now at Rutgers. So he came in and he didn't look as good. McCaffrey came in for a few plays as a, as a mix-it-up guy. So it'll be interesting to see that despite the fact, you know, Nebraska only played one game and only have one game at tape for Northwestern. They do have some experience playing against both guys, albeit for McCaffrey, with a lot less smaller of a sample size. But it's you know you know one and a half you know games of of Martinez they've played against. So I think it'll be really interesting if if Northwestern comes out with a, with a with a quick a smart game plan 
against Martinez if we'll see more of McCaffrey just because there's less of a of a recognition and, and and you know understanding of how he plays. Yeah, no, I could see that because I teams are going to try to give our defense fits, man. Like we, our defense is so talented now, and they're going to have to come up with creative ways to get off off balance um, and just give us different looks. So I could definitely see them using you know McCaffrey in a lot of different ways come Saturday. Um, you know, moving him out in the slot, moving him back in the backfield, two quarterbacks in the backfield. So I, I definitely can can see them using him in some in some ways to to give try to give our defense some fits. And I think that's something we have to prepare for for Saturday. Mm-hmm. Who do you think on on defense we're gonna have to to step up and contain those two guys and and the whole offense? I mean, I think Jr. Pace is definitely gonna be a guy to to look for. He's gonna have to get our our secondary lined up. Definitely be aware of of where McCaffrey is um, if he's if he's on the perimeter. Um, it's just going to be a lot of communication with our defense. And luckily, you know, there, there are no fans, so it's going to be easy to communicate. Um, so we just got to keep eyes on their playmakers and make sure we're lined up and, and, and put ourselves in a good situation to be successful. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting point there. You know, a lot of the talk about no fans has been about, you know, that lack of energy, lack of sort of, you know, playing with such loud noises. But one of the good things, you know, one of the few good things about doing that is situations potentially like this weekend where, you know, quarterbacks set out wide, you know, two quarterbacks in the backfield, much easier to communicate if there's not, you know, 40,000 fans yelling down your neck and say it's just sort of a thousand, you know, chirpers in the crowd. You can much easier communicate situations like that. Oh, absolutely. That is that is definitely a plus, um, especially playing a big time program like at Nebraska where they travel well where that um our stadium would definitely be sold out so um it, it is it is definitely a benefit for us um especially when we know that we're going to get some interesting looks from their offense you know scott frost is is a very talented coach and extremely smart on the offensive side of the ball so i know he's going to come up with some some game plans and some scheme to to really kind of tr- try to throw us off yeah and i you know just going off that i don't even think i'm sort of excited to see what he what he throws out i remember last year he threw out the uh, the eye formation, the eye for the option a couple of times against us. That was sort of a big a big deal with people in Lincoln. I'm just yep. curious to see, you know, especially now that you lose it, you lose one game already. Now, not not going to be a game very winnable game against Wisconsin, I'd say. But you know, Scott Frost wants to make a bowl game. He wants some success for this program right now, especially after the first two years not making a bowl game either year. He's going to come out try and get all the stops because in his mind. And especially in the mind, I'd imagine of of the Nebraska fans out there, we know they are extremely passionate, to say the least. They don't want to lose Northwestern. They don't think Northwestern team they should be losing to. And if they lose yeah. it, they go down zero two with the cancellation. It, you know, it's not going to be it's not going to be pretty for Scott. So I'd imagine he's going to throw out a lot of the stops, especially if Northwestern has a start like they did against Maryland. Well, that, yeah, and he's had two weeks to prepare as well, so you got to think about it. He's had two weeks to get his guys, you know, ready for this game plan, ready for this team. So, yeah, he he's got nothing to lose, so he's he's gonna throw it all out there. So we better we better come ready to play come Saturday. You know, we are two and zero, and you know they're zero and one, but that that means absolutely nothing. You're stepping against you know a really good Nebraska team, so we have to be prepared and and be ready to go. How much of an impact? do you think that extra week is going to give for Nebraska? Because it's interesting to hear both coaches this week, 
you know, fits very much like, you know, it's a huge advantage for, for them. You know, we had to go in this four-quarter battle while they just sort of could watch us and do extra practice. And then while Scott Frost was sort of, on the other hand, saying, I, I disagree, you know. You know, we want to be out there playing. We're not getting the game reps. You know, we're practicing so much, but we're all antsy to get out on the field and actually play. You know, what, what do you sort of think about about that? Yeah, I mean, they're. I feel like they're both playing a little bit of mind games there. Um, you know, it – it do, like they both serve great points. Like yeah, Scott Frost like not playing a game is definitely definitely hurts your team because you're not getting that speed, those reps, those live reps um, that you that you need. Um, that's how people get better each week. Um, but it does scouting wise and, and preparing. It, it gives you a lot of time to get your game plan dialed in and right. So it, there there's you know gives and take give and takes on both sides. But I, I definitely can see it from both perspectives, but I definitely think preparing for a, Nor- a Northwestern team is going to help a lot more uh, than playing against a Wisconsin team. Oh, yeah, and I, and I totally agree. And I get what, you know, Scott Frost is saying. Sure, you want, you know, especially in eight-game season, you want your guys on the field playing in those situations as much as possible because it's going to be not just the best for your team this season, but, you know, your team going forward. But it's also like, you know, Northwestern had a couple of, you know, Riley Lee's got hurt, you know, in this game. Maybe a Nebraska guy gets hurt. They're going to be healthier. You know, they're going to be more, more, much more well-rested, especially, we can talk about this, but with election day on Tuesday and a day off across conference, nobody practiced. So it's sort of like Northwestern had to push up everything a day. You know, they did it their Monday on Sunday, Tuesday on Monday, et cetera. It's just going to, you know, Nebraska, the week was already going to be a little bit different regarding scheduling with that sort of extra days. I think it's just going to help them be more well-rested, more prepared, and just sort of more, you know, have their bodies more ready for game time. Cause at least for them, it's a little, it's more like a normal bye week where if it's like Northwestern, it's like, it's a regular week with it, with a, you know, a weird day off in the middle. Right. No. And like you said, man, it, it, I definitely think, you know, you play Ohio State, you got some guys that got banged up. So giving them an extra week of rest, um, you know, get them ready for, for Northwestern, I think is, is definitely going to benefit them. Especially you're playing – if you're playing Wisconsin, man, you're getting a heavy dose of some big boys up front running the ball. So it, you're, it's, it's a bruiser of a game. So I understand they wanted to play that game, but, you know, I, I think that benefited them greatly just – for a health standpoint where, you know, they're, they're going to get some guys real healthy, you know, for the rest of the season now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And now, you know, who's, who's your X factor for the, for the game this weekend? Honestly, dude, I, I, I really think our secondary is going to have to step up. I think J.R. Pace is, is my, is my player this week. I think they're going to attack, you know, Joseph a lot just because he's he's young, but he stepped up and made some plays. But I just think J.R. Pace in the back there is going to have to be the quarterback, get guys lined up, call out some weird formations, and, and and get everybody in the right place to be successful. I think he's my X factor. I expect a big day out of him. Um, he is, uh, you know, obviously our soul and our leader on, on our secondary, and I think he's going to have to step up in a big way. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I think that's a – that's a great pick. I'll, I'll go with somebody, somebody on the offense. You know, you're after, always right, so let's just go. What do you got? You know, after after a big first week, 
you know, sort of with just minimal minimal real touches last week. I think John Rain at the tight end position, you know, I, I know I did him week one too, but especially against a you know, a team like Nebraska, especially if Riley Lees isn't a hundred percent, isn't, you know, good to go all the way. Having John Rain in that, you know, security safety blanket role that Riley Lees, you know, will will be playing for the rest of the year if he's if he's healthy. Just having him there for some for some quick plays, you know, some quick yardages. I expect the ball to be thrown a lot more often. I expect John Rain to be a part of that a lot. I like that. I like that. He's he's gonna be a big move to change guys for us, I think, on third down. I totally agree, man. That's a that's a great choice. And then who you got? Who you got this weekend? Dude, honestly, I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. I I, I think uh if the weather holds out, I think uh it's gonna be um like a, a 35 to, to 28. I think the cats are going to pull it out. I think it's going to be a, a fourth quarter score. Um, I think we're going to get some fits from Nebraska. Um, you know, defensively, I think they're going to, they're going to give us some looks we we're not ready for. And I think they're going to, you know, have a few big plays. Um, but I think ultimately we're going to settle down and, and uh, we're going to come through in the fourth quarter. I'm a little bit different. I mentioned earlier. Oh, come on. <laughs> I no. I gotta get you to go first, so I could just piggyback off you. <laughs> next week, next week we'll switch it up. All right. All right, that's fair. But uh, like I said, you, I think you are much more, you're much higher on this Nebraska team than I am. You know, if I think this is a a normal sort, of, if this is a non-Nebraska team where the history between these two has become so rich, I would think Northwestern might run away with it early. I don't think it'll be exactly that this weekend. I think Northwestern, you know, wins by double digits. I don't think it's, you know, it's close in the sense that Nebraska is always, you know, a play or two away from really getting back in the game. But I feel like it's one of those ones where whenever Nebraska has a big play, Northwestern has an immediate counter. You know, Nebraska will put up some points. I agree with you on that, you know, but I don't think, I don't think they're really going to, when you know at the at, when the wire it comes down to the wire, I don't. I think you'll see sort of similar what happens this weekend, where the defense just just locks down Nebraska. I'll give it, you know, a a twenty eight seventeen score line. Okay. Just but I, I do think like Northwestern will have the upper hand for the entire game. I will say that Nebraska is kind of playing into our strengths. They are a run. They they showed they were a run heavy team against Ohio State, and maybe that was you know, score driven, but that is the strength of our defense is shutting down the run. So I, I, I would say you're, you're in the right place, but I just, I feel like they might give us some fits there with some, with some different looks with McCaffrey. That's going to give us some, some headaches. Yeah. Well, no matter, no matter which one of us is right, we believe the cats are going to win and it'll definitely be an interesting, the game to watch for the rest of the season. Cause especially when it's an eight game season and you get a matchup like this, that stylistically will just be, very, you know, crucial look at going forward, especially if Northwestern gets into some higher profile, you know, postseason games. Absolutely, man. You got to make every game count with only eight eight games in the season. So um, definitely a big one for, for both squads and hopefully uh, Cats come ready to play Saturday. Definitely, definitely. And we will be, of course, ready to play next week when we come back with another episode where we'll recap this Nebraska game and look forward to a potentially, you know, huge matchup against Purdue, depending on how, how this weekend goes. But before that, you know, we hope that this year. 
<laughs> we hope you all enjoy, you know, this weekend's game against Nebraska. We thank you very much for listening to the podcast here today. Feel free to, you know, you know, give us a follow on Twitter, you know, subscribe to us on all your favorite listening platforms. Give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback. And, you know, just want to thank you very much for, for listening to today's episode for, uh, Jeremy Ebert, I'm Peter Warren, and have a great one. Go Cats, baby. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.